Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You're a 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another edition of the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game coming at you three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you. As always, Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Happy Fridays. We get ready for the final regular season weekend of the year. Should be a lot of fun gearing up for a postseason run for the 49ers. Fingers crossed there, but looking forward to this uh, final week of the regular season. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. Yeah, no, it's good, solid end of the week. A chance to end the regular season on a high note for the 49ers. Hoping, of course, to capture that ever-elusive one seed. Uh, we're going to be breaking down some of the matchups upcoming. We're going to look at what maybe the 49ers have to deal with as far as some internal possibilities, yeah. injuries, returnees, things that might factor into not only, of course, this weekend against the Cardinals and a depleted Arizona team, but also things that may factor and will factor into the postseason run, we hope, leads them to Glendale, Arizona. Uh, but first, of course, we got to start with the big news around the NFL markets. You know, we kind of talked about in the last episode as far as the NFL feeling like even though it's the last week and, and things are still going on, things have sort of shut down while everyone has waited for the hopeful uh, news about uh, DeMar Hamlin. And it, it feels like we did get some of that today and uh, recording this Thursday night, everyone hearing it on Friday. Hopefully there's better news between now and the time that this episode is released, but yeah. uh, he is aware. It appears there does not be any, there's not any, um, um, you know, brain issues as he isn't speaking, but remarkable progress was the quote that was thrown out multiple times today by ESPN and all the coverages uh, surrounding Hamlin. So that is good news, Mark. And as we said, thoughts and prayers to the family continued a speedy recovery for Damar Hamlin, but they, the NFL that is, has come to a conclusion about the Bills and Bengals game. They will not be making it up. So, of course, Mark, that presents a litany of scenarios now for the AFC specifically. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you look at the standings right now in the AFC, and Kansas City has 13 wins, Buffalo has 12 wins, Cincinnati has 11 wins. So if you were going to replay that game between Buffalo and Cincinnati or finish it out, all three teams would still technically have a chance to be the one seed. 
So with the NFL deciding not to play that game, which I think we can agree, uh, while it's an unfortunate situation, it, it probably is the right decision because there's just no easy way to get the game in. But because yeah. of the nature of how these three teams are and how good they are and how close they are in the standings, it does make a little bit of a competitive disadvantage for both the Bills and the Bengals. So what the NFL is doing, Evan, to kind of combat that competitive disadvantage and, and perhaps an advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs, they are saying that the AFC Championship game will be played at a neutral site if the participating teams played an unequal number of games and both could have been the number one seed and hosted the game had all AFC clubs played a full 17-game regular season. Those circumstances involve Buffalo or Cincinnati qualifying for the game as a road team. So essentially what this means, and the results in Week 18 might change this a little bit, say Cincinnati loses in Week 18, that means even if they would have beaten the Bills in the game that isn't going to get played, they still would not have had a chance at the one seed. But let's just say for a second, assume the Bills and the Bengals win in Week 18. What that means is if Buffalo or Cincinnati advances all the way to the AFC Championship game to meet uh, to meet Kansas City, excuse me, that game would be played at a neutral site because the NFL has deemed it's a little unfair that the Chiefs weren't necessarily given the one seed but didn't 100% earn it because both the Bengals and the Bills still had an opportunity to be that number one seed overall. So... Again, Week 18 results can kind of change the exact uh, ways that this does happen. But just for the sake of sanity and, and to keep it simple, assume that the Bengals or the Bills make the AFC title game and they play the Chiefs, that game would be in a neutral site. We don't know what that site is. The NFL is probably going through that right now. My best guess is probably Indianapolis. It's somewhere in the middle of all of these teams, and it's inside in January, it's a dome stadium. That's my best guess. We will see on that. But that is what the NFL has decided on, Evan. It's an unfortunate situation, but I think the NFL has probably made the best decision they possibly could. Yeah, it's not often we give the NFL a whole lot of credit, but I think considering the situation and how badly they managed it at first, I feel yeah. like they've done a pretty good job at, at covering their tracks when it comes to trying, figuring, trying to figure out a way to help both the Bills and the Bengals not be at too much of a competitive disadvantage with likely uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, those three teams are all the teams that have a viable or did have a viable shot for the one seed in the yeah. AFC, and it feels like they've come to a conclusion uh, on that. So, you know, that kind of takes us to what we want to talk about next as far as, you know, playoff situations, games, things that we, we should be focusing on, Mark. Um, and it, well, first of all, as far as the schedule goes, I, I do have one thing that is kind of bugging me a little bit, and, and it may just be because we're watching the 49ers and we want to cover them. And, you know, we'd like to record our podcast after the game on Sunday, or we'd like to do a post game <laughs> show, but of course we can't because we do not know who the 49ers will be facing in the first round, assuming of course that they are the two seed and that Philly does not lose and lose the one seed. And that is because the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions play on Sunday night. 
So the scenario for both of those teams to get in first for the Packers is they simply need to win. They need to win at home at Lambeau Field, and they are in as the seventh seed. They have the tiebreaker over Seattle. Now, Seattle, who earlier in the day at 125 is playing at home against the Rams, you would assume that they would win. Uh, They need to win and also have Detroit win in order to get in as the seven seed or maintain their seven seed status. Meanwhile, Detroit needs the Seattle Seahawks to lose, and they also need to beat the Green Bay Packers. But the issue for us, Mark, is, of course, we do not know officially who the 49ers will play because of all three of those scenarios until after the 520 Sunday night football game. I would like to make a motion that this game in all future (laughs) situations be played on Saturday. And if there is a end-all, be-all football game to get into the playoffs, which there is, there is on the schedule, that should be the final game that is played on the game's final weekend, the season's final weekend, because the Titans and the Jaguars are playing on Saturday, Mark. I don't care who the AFC South winner is going to be as much as their fan bases do. I care who the 49ers are going to be playing and who other teams are going to be playing in the NFC. That should be decided well before a winner-take-all division game, in my opinion. Well, I will say... I think you're right that the way it plays out, the Niners will not know their opponent until after the Sunday night game, Lions-Packers. The game there was is flexed, though, by the way. The game was flexed it, it to was. Sunday night. NFL purposefully did this, which is a little unfortunate, but it is what it is. However, Evan, there is one scenario in which the Niners know who they're playing. Actually, well, I, hold on. There are two yeah. scenarios in which yes. the Niners know who they're playing or who they're not playing this is before true. Sunday Night Football kicks off. One is the Vikings beat the Bears. Spoiler alert, they will. Nathan Peterman is starting at quarterback for the Bears, so that, that's a win for the Vikings. Yeah, and, then David, so. and then David Blau and the Cardinals upset the 49ers. That would push the Niners down to the three seed. And then regardless of what happens between Detroit and Green Bay, the Niners would host the Giants in the wildcard round. The other scenario is, say the Eagles lose to the Giants. The Giants go into Philadelphia and they upset the Eagles. And then simultaneously, the Niners knock off the Cardinals. That means the Niners are the one seed and they get a bye. They don't have to play anyone in the first round of the postseason. So, Evan, while your scenario is way more likely than either of the two I just laid out, I will say, hold out hope, there is a chance. It's good news for the 49ers and bad news for the 49ers, but on both ends, both extremes of that spectrum, we will know, we could know who the Niners play or don't play before Sunday Night Football kicks off. We could. We could, Mark. You are right. There are two scenarios. I'm not getting my hopes up, though. But those are the two unlikeliest scenarios i would say and my my assumption my my vitriol for the situation (laughs) that permeates through the nfc playoff possibility this weekend is due to the fact that i am assuming the niners will take care of business i'm assuming the eagles will take care of business and i'm 14 point favorites so yeah you would you would hope that would be able to uh turn things around the vikings god they are only seven and a half point favorites, despite the Bears. I don't think they're playing Justin Fields, uh, and they're also a three win team. Nonetheless, we won't dive deep into the Vikings, Mark. You were right. The two seed is what the Niners probably will get at this point. But I'm not jinxing myself, not yet. But 
This is the assumption that I have, which is why I'm pissed off that I won't know who the 49ers are going to play a week from Sunday, most likely, until about 8.30 at night or 11.30 Eastern for those you know East Coast 49ers fans that seem to be traveling wherever the 49ers go. So I just feel like it's a little unfair to me, Mark, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get selfish in this situation. I'm also <laughs> gonna get selfish for every East Coast 49er fan out there at this point. I want the 49ers to know by the time they're done who they're going to be playing. And as much as Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night football should be great for ratings, put the Jags and the Titans in that game. Well, I was gonna say, uh, this whole issue that you're having and you you brought up ratings. It's exactly why the NFL did what they did, because they know there's a lot riding on this game. And they know that the Niners, who are likely going to play potentially the winner of that game, or at least that game is going to have a big impact on who the Niners play. uh, They know the Niners are a, a pretty public team. There are a lot of Niner fans out there, and every single Niner fan is going to be watching that game. So. While I understand your frustration, and I, I know you have a little bit of a, a trip scheduled this weekend, you want to enjoy your time up in the mountains. Uh, unfortunately, the NFL is not letting you get off that easy. You got to uh, lock in for some Sunday night football. Yeah, you snuck in the real reason at this point, Mark, is the fact that I won't <laughs> be able to lock into football the entire day as I'm going to be up near uh, Tahoe in California. For those listening across the country, it is a snowed in situation. Uh, actually may not be able to get in or out depending on what time you go up there. So fingers crossed for your boy. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing chains. I'm bringing blankets. I'm bringing jackets. We're bringing it all. What I'm not bringing is a will to watch an entire day (laughs) of NFL football. And this is why if we're starting at 10 AM, you're telling me, all right, I got to watch the Vikings. Fine. Okay. I like the Vikings. Most people don't. That's fine. Then at 125, <laughs> I got to watch the 49ers. I like the 49ers. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're solid. We cover them. I'm also going to be paying attention, of course, to the Seattle game. But then at 520, you're telling me I also have to watch the Packers game? Mark, that's just that's too much damn football, man. As much as we live and love, you know, the Odyssey has been very kind enough to bestow us with a platform to talk about football. I'm sorry. 12 hours in the middle of the snow, which is prime time skiing time. I need to be out on the slopes. I need to be cutting up ice mark in a very professional manner. I do not need to be watching football at this point. I'm sorry. I understand, but I mean, you said there's, you know, too much football. I mean, for and me, I got to watch Saturday. Damn it. I, I was just going to say, I mean, for me, forget about Chiefs Raiders. Uh, I don't know who really cares about that game all that much. I guess Kansas City does. They still want to get the one seed, whatever. Uh, but the Titans and the Jaguars, winner wins the AFC South. That's going to be an awesome game. I am excited for that one. And then all the playoff implications on Sunday. That's fantastic. And then I'll raise you one more, Evan. Monday? It's the national championship game for college football. Who you got, Georgia or TCU, huh? Give me the froggies. Yeah, horn frogs. There Give me go. the froggies, okay? <laughs> Give me the froggies. They're a team that has stood the test of Michigan. There's a team that has stood the test of wow. everyone that they have faced thus far. You're just and saying Georgia that because it's Sunday should have lost to Ohio State. They should have already been bounced. It should be CJ Stroud and Max Duggan, and instead it is going to be the Red Rifle 2.0. I'm talking about Andy Dalton down to Max Duggan, taking down the big bad Bulldogs, that number one defense of the last two years. Throw it out, Mark. 
Sonny Dykes leading the TCU Horned Frogs to a national title game appearance is the closest the Cal Golden Bears will come to a title ever. (laughs) You have gotten me so close to swearing on this podcast for the first time. I think we're technically allowed to do it, but I do not want to. I don't want to stoop down to the Oregon Ducks Uh, level of trying to bring us into the mud, of trying to bring us into the pond. And instead, I'm going to be rooting for my guy, Sonny Dykes, a former golden bear, and will live vicariously through him when he thrashes Georgia. Wow. On the backs of that epic bear raid offense he's got going down there for the Horned Frogs. I'm I'm rooting for him, too. He's got those boys scoring, Mark. I'm I'm with you. I'm rooting for TCU, for sure. Come on. Pull off the upset. I dare you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure they're, they're gonna try I, I couldn't tell you uh three people on their team but that's besides the point all right this is the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the odyssey sports podcast network with 95 7 the game mark grandy evan giddings follow mark on social at mark grandy mark with a c grandy with an i i'm on social at e giddings 10 mark um you know so so if we're looking at this nfc postseason picture you know right now um, we we, we kind of got into it a little bit at the tail end of the last episode, as well as also um, Mondays a bit. But okay, so I know that the path for the Lions is pretty tough at this point. But are you are you still believing that Detroit is the team that you don't want to see in the first round if you're the San Francisco 49ers? I think for me, you know, the last time we really had this conversation, I, I think when I specifically said I don't want to see Detroit, or at least that's the team I, I'd be most fearful of, even though it's Speaking not. Speaking of Golden Bears. <laughs> Jared Goff, there you go. Speaking of Bay Area boys, too, Marin Catholic. Um, but I think when we had that conversation last time, Green Bay's chances to make the playoffs were, were really low. They weren't really even on our radar. I mean, I think I mentioned this at the end of, of last episode, or, or it might have been Mondays. They kind of all meld together for me. But I think just the idea of Aaron Rodgers, a, a team that would have won, what, four games in a row at that point? Um, maybe even five. Five games in a row at that yeah, point. Yeah, they, they were four and eight. Yeah, so if they win this game against Detroit, they will close the regular season on a five-game winning streak. They're still, you know, not a very good team. And I'm, I'm not saying I would be fearful that the Niners would get upset, Evan. But I think asking for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to, to come into your house in a playoff game uh, when, when he has won five games in a row and he's starting to kind of figure things out with his young receivers, uh, their offense has been healthier the last few weeks. They do have a pretty good run game. They have some really, really good corners. I mean, look what they did to Justin Jefferson uh, last week. Uh, Jair Alexander is phenomenal, as good as anyone in the league. So I think I'd probably be most scared of them. I probably would put Detroit right in the middle. But I think I would, if I had my druthers, I would want the Seattle Seahawks. I know that feels a little awkward and, and maybe scary for Niner fans because the last decade has been the Seahawks generally beating up on the 49ers, but I think this Niner team is just so much better than Seattle. And again, I'm not saying that I think the Niners will be in danger of an upset. I'm not saying they'll be on upset alert with any of these three, but if I had my pick, I'd probably say from who I want to play the most to the least, Seattle, Detroit, Green Bay. Interesting. Yeah, I also think that Green Bay would probably be, you know, if we're looking at betting lines, 
I think any of these teams would probably be a touchdown underdog on the road at Levi's, but Green Bay's line would probably be suppressed the most or closest to a touchdown, maybe six and a half. I, I'm, I'm not too sure, but I, I, I'm with you about Green Bay. I think that'd be the most dangerous team walking into Levi's. But, but here's something maybe you can help me with, Mark, and for those listening or watching on YouTube, kind of ask yourself the same question. The 49ers, and it feels like their fans, have never in recent memory been very afraid of an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team. I mean, you beat them two years ago, or yeah, now three years ago, the 2019 conference title game to get to the Super Bowl, smashed them. And then last year, of course, as the one seed, you go into their house and with a bit of luck and a Talanoa Hofong, you get a punt block and a touchdown to win that game. So it's just interesting to me how, and, and I, 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 from what I remember, Mark, the feeling was going into that game is like the Niners can absolutely beat the Packers. So it's just interesting to me. Why do you think that now all of a sudden people are maybe more afraid of the Green Bay Packers? It feels like than last year when Aaron Rodgers was an MVP, had the best receiver in football and Devontae Adams had a far superior defense and probably a better offensive line and running game. Why do you think people feel more afraid of the Packers now than last year? It's a good question. I, I think no one is actually more afraid of this year's Packers team than last year. I think it's just the a case of, okay, well, what are the other options this year? And the other options are Seattle and Detroit. Now, I, I've talked a little bit about Detroit. I, I really like them. Their offense is as good as any in the NFL. Their defense, though, as bad as any in the NFL. I do think Detroit would put up more points on the Niners than any of these other you know two teams, this group of three. I think Detroit would have the most success against the Niners' elite defense, but I also think the Niners will be able to put up a ton of points on them. Might not be the case against Green Bay. They they certainly have a much better defense. But like if you were to ask me, did you were you more confident in the Niners' ability to beat Green Bay in the playoffs last year or this year? It's an easy decision. It's this year. I mean, this is a better Niner team this year, despite the fact that Brock Purdy is their quarterback, and it's a worst Green Bay team this year. So, I mean, I don't think the fear level is really all that close. And, and you know, if, if you're talking about betting lines, I'm, I'm sure that Vegas would reflect that as well. If you go back to last year, I'm sure Vegas or I'm sure Green Bay was the favorite last year. The Niners will be a favorite this year. Part of that, of course, is home field advantage. But it's also because, as I mentioned, the Niners are a better team this year. And, and Green Bay is certainly not nearly as good as they were last year. So while it may feel like, you know, Niner fans, myself included, are a little more worried about Green Bay. I think it's more so a, a result of, well, the other options are Seattle and Detroit, who you really don't take that seriously. Um, meanwhile, last year, you were kind of the scrappy underdog going into the top seeds house on the road, playing with house money, essentially, trying to get it done. And it's kind of flipped this year. You are the big time favorite. And the pressure is on you to kind of hold serve. So I think it's more circumstances that kind of gives you this feeling as opposed to actual fear that you might lose the game. Okay. That, yeah, that's interesting. I, I feel that. I also think the fear with Seattle, in addition to it being the Seahawks, is just the fact that you got to play a team a third time. And, yeah. and that's always very difficult to do. To beat a team three times in the same season is not easy. I guess if I had to rank my most feared 
first round opponent, assuming, of course, the Niners are the two seed and they're facing the seven, would be Green Bay one. It would be Detroit two. And then it would be the Seahawks third. I I don't really think the Seattle team has much to offer against the 49ers. I know that the Thursday night game a few weeks ago was relatively close into the balance, but I think we're both in agreement that never felt like a game. The 49ers weren't going to win at some point. It was just a matter of how it looked. I I don't think it would be difficult for this 49ers team to beat the Seahawks three times, even though the last game was closer than the first. I, I just think Detroit is a team that's, it's they're they're like they're just dumb enough to win in a sense exactly yeah. and, and and Dan Campbell I don't know how he's gonna coach or be the head coach in a playoff scenario as far as understanding time and situation and all the things that kind of seem to rear their ugly heads and have for Kyle Shanahan in the past as well so I don't know how he's gonna perform under that pressure I don't know how Jared Goff who's really got most of their playoff experience on that roster I don't know how he's gonna perform in the playoffs he hasn't really been a dominant you know, quarterback, even with the Rams, even in a better situation. But they just have a high-flying offense that I feel like is more equipped to score on this Niners defense than any of the three. So whether the Niners can continue their offensive pace and scoring you know, 30 points in four of the last five weeks, we'll see. That's probably easier to do against Detroit than Seattle or Green Bay. But the, the offense, I'm with you, Mark, is the only thing that scares me the most about Detroit. And I, I think they have a better chance to put up a 30 point performance as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, even. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think maybe what would be an interesting question, and I'm just thinking about it here, getting away from from kind of the the fearful thing, like what team would you want to play? Who are you most scared of? That that question is what would feel the nicest if you're a Niner fan or you are on the Niners team? Would it be it'd beating- be Green Bay, I think. Would it be, I mean, really? I mean, I understand that, but would it be defeating your division rival for a third time this year, a division rival that has historically handled you over the last decade, giving Pete Carroll his third loss to you in a single season, knocking him out of the playoffs? I know that their expectations were very low this year, and them just making the playoffs feels like a win, at least for that fan base. Um, but that has to mean something. I agree with you that the Packers are also there. Detroit is nowhere in this conversation. It's between Seattle and Green Bay. Um, but I'd be interested in what Niner fans think. Who, what would be the most, I don't know, uh, heartwarming win? Knocking off Seattle or Green Bay. What would make you feel the best as a Niner fan? For me, I think it would be Green Bay just because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And a guy that has been so highly touted throughout his career, and deservedly so, but has really ran into a wall each of the past few postseasons, and that wall has been scarlet and gold. So to even be able back to, to the it, Kaepernick era, yeah, yeah, no, the Green Bay has not been able to beat the 49ers when it matters the most in the postseason. So I, I think to be able to continue that and hold that over arguably a top three talent at the quarterback position, maybe ever is is something that is, to me, the most enticing. If you're telling me that from the rivalry perspective, Seattle, like you just want to beat the crap out of Pete Carroll and I don't care what it takes, then I understand that as well. The flip side of that, Mark, I would ask you, what would be the most painful loss? Of course, we're not assuming the 49ers are going to lose, but if they did, what would be the most painful first-round loss, do you think? Oof, that's more difficult for me than uh, the most... The best win. That's hmm. what we do here. We ask the tough questions. It is a tough question. I like it. Yeah. I think 
I think it's probably Seattle. And maybe for me, it's it's part of the part of the fact that I think that's the team that the Niners would have the easiest time beating. So maybe that would be on the flip side, the most embarrassing loss, because in my opinion, that's who you should handle, perhaps more so than Detroit or Green Bay for a lot of the reasons we've already laid out. Um, but just to have to watch the Seattle Seahawks celebrate on your field, upsetting the two seed, a team that likely would have won 10 consecutive games leading up to that moment, uh, a team that potentially has the coach of the year, a team that probably has the defensive player of the year, a team that could maybe have the offensive rookie of the year. Um, that would be embarrassing. I mean, any of the losses would be embarrassing, but I think for me, if, if I think I'd go Seattle. I mean, watching the Seahawks and Pete Carroll celebrate after a nine and eight regular season, upsetting a 13 win Niner team, that would hurt. And that would take a while to get over, I think. I think you're probably right. And I think the consensus would be Seattle. But let me make a case for the other two. Oh, no. Well, we just discussed how Green Bay can't beat the 49ers in the playoffs and how Aaron Rodgers, who wanted to be a San Francisco 49er when he was drafted way back when instead of Alex Smith, would have the chance to gain some revenge, so to speak, on the franchise what once was. But let me but let me run this by you, Mark. Uh-oh. Did you know that the Detroit Lions, as a franchise, in the history of their <laughs> that's, existence, that's a good point. have won one playoff game, a singular playoff game. I want to say it was 1992, but I'm not exactly sure. The point being, the Detroit Lions have one playoff win as a franchise. If they beat the 49ers, that would double their amount of playoff victories uh, as an organization. And do you really want to be the team that loses in the playoffs to the Detroit Lions? That is my case for the Lions being the most potentially embarrassing loss out of these three teams as much as the Seahawks would hurt and everything that goes into that rivalry as much as the Packers would hurt losing to Aaron Rodgers for the first time in what feels like ever in the postseason. But losing to the Lions would quite literally, as they are the laughing stock of NFL football, make you, by the transitive property, the laughing stock <laughs> of the playoffs. That is a position I do not want the 49ers in. Uh, to, to be fair, they did technically win some playoff games like in the 50s. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, the, I forgot about that. <laughs> they're, they're only one since since 1957. So 1958 on is 1991. I went over the Cowboys. 91. Uh, 91, yeah. And they've lost nine in a row in the postseason since. Uh, you make a really good case. Oh, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. No, that's that's my my great, great great uncle <laughs> online too he's a lions fan he's telling me from the grave niners better not lose that game sorry <laughs> one of the teams that they beat in the 1957 playoffs your san francisco 49ers yeah he also said he was just a boy when night train lane was playing football <laughs> with a leather helmet on that's you i mean you made a really good argument for the lions that the packers one is an easy one to see as you laid out so is the seahawks one i think the takeaway here evan they all would be extremely embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how good this Niner team is and how these three teams, whoever they are, and you can even throw in the Giants if the Niners happen to fall down to the three, um, 
how you know the Niners are just in a different class. They are so much more talented, better constructed, all of that. So I think to you know the the great point, the great argument you just made, it just shows that this is a game, regardless of who the Niners play on Wild Card Weekend. This should be a game that they are able to control. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and and again, I expect them to be touchdown, if not more, favorite. Yeah, whoever they played, if they are the second seed and they're playing the seven, one of those three teams that we laid out. Uh, this is the four one fivers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with ninety five seven The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. Please feel free to download, rate, and subscribe. We appreciate every rating, but five stars the most. And uh, Mark, so obviously the 49ers have a game this weekend. We've gone through the playoff possibilities of who they might play, who they won't, who they should play, who they should beat. But they got the Arizona Cardinals on their ledger. Everything starts there. All right. You got to beat the Cardinals to ensure that you are at least the two seed heading into the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be a 125 kick, Levi Stadium. A, uh, what, what is it? What is it? Reciprocal records? Um, 49ers are 12 and four, Cardinals are four and 12. I don't know if I said that right. Opposite. But, I don't know. Yeah. They, I, oh God, there's something, there, there's an R word there. Maybe it's right. Reciprocal. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, but Mark, but the 49ers have a couple decisions to make though, because you're getting a couple of guys back. Um, one off of IR, Elijah Mitchell's practice window is opened earlier this week, and he has a chance to return if he's healthy, if he so chooses. But the big one is Debo Samuel, of course, who was expected to be back before the postseason. And this week was kind of that that target week. He was practicing a little bit last week. He's now had, uh, from what I have been able to view, a full week of practice leading up to the Cardinals. And so the question becomes, Mark, all right, how much do you manage not only, of course, the guys coming back from injury, but the entire team as a whole against the Cardinals team that's starting, what, their their third quarterback at this point? Fourth. Fourth, Fourth. quarterback. They get to sign this oh, guy Oh, I forgot about my guy, McSworley. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is David Blau, uh, a quarterback uh, who actually was in the Big Ten at Purdue when Nick Bosa was at Ohio State. So Bosa knows him a little bit. He never actually played against him when he was there. Um, but he is familiar with him a, a little bit. Um, but I think overall, the the injury news for the 49ers is really positive. You mentioned Debo Samuel. Uh, also, uh, as you mentioned, Elijah Mitchell, he's probably not going to play in this game. The Niners, as we're recording this Thursday night, have not activated him. But they did open his practice window. They have three weeks to activate him, and they will within that three-week three week span, assuming that their season is still going on. But Debo Samuel, a full participant in practice for a number of days. Brock Purdy's a full participant. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa back at practice after missing Wednesday for non-injury reasons. Uh, Kevin Givens, who's been out for a while, got a limited practice in on Thursday. Eric Armstead, a limited practice on Thursday as well. Despite the fact that Christian McCaffrey hasn't practiced this week, Aaron Banks and Dre Greenlaw, who both got injured in the game in Vegas last weekend, they haven't practiced all week. Um, those are a little concerning, Evan. The McCaffrey one, not so much. He's had kind of a lingering ankle and knee issue for over a month now, and this isn't anything new. So it's not terribly concerning. He should be all right. He's been playing through it when the team has needed him. He might still suit up for this game, maybe as a break in case of emergency situation if the Niners really need to win this game maybe they throw him out there in the second half a bit more but all in all 
a good week for the 49ers and injuries. As you mentioned, the question, the question then is around Debo Samuel, seems like he's going to play full participant in practices this week, but then how much do you play him? In my opinion, you kind of take him like Christian McCaffrey uh, in terms of not overusing him for Debo. I think it is important to get some reps against a real opponent and, and kind of get used to that live action again, get used to taking some of those hits as you prepare for the postseason. But you need to be very careful as well uh, because you don't want to overuse him and, and have him potentially re-aggravate something, get another nick, another bruise on him. Uh, I think it's important to play him a little bit, but I'm not sure we'll see much more than five, maybe six, maybe seven touches max from Debo Samuel in this game. Yeah, I think to me it's more about the snap count than the touches, and I mm-hmm. I do think that's that, that's what you're getting at. But to me, look, Debo Samuel hasn't played football in, uh, you know, three, three and a half weeks. A- as much as I, I do understand what you're saying about, you know, limiting him, treating him like McCaffrey, McCaffrey has also had the benefit of receiving a it's workman's true. like load over the last month. And and the last thing that I want is for in the first round or well, it really would just apply to the first round of the playoffs is for Debo Samuel to go from 25% to a hundred and either his body respond poorly or maybe him not being as you know healthy as he wants to be. So to me, it, it may be a little bit of an opt out, but I'm letting Debo Samuel decide in a sense how much he wants the ball <laughs> That's because it, it is, it is dangerous, but it's dangerous from a perspective of like, I, I I want him to feel like heading into the playoffs that he is ready to get the ball potentially 10 times, you know, or, or more maybe depending on how he shares or how they split up the running back duties, uh, because I think he's so important to this offense at the very least as a decoy. And so if he's not out there, you know, for 90, 95% of snaps like he usually is, then in, in the playoffs, then I think there's going to be some issues. I, I I do see what you mean about maybe treating McCaffrey a little bit gingerly. And obviously you don't want him to get hurt, but I, I do think that Debo Samuel, with how much time he's missed, needs to be on the field if he is a full participant, 100% ready to go. I do think he needs to play the majority of this game just to get back into action. and. I guess you run the risk of injury, but honestly, you run the risk of injury on, on any play, as we've seen from the 49ers this season. So I, I say treat Debo like it's a normal week, give him the regular workload, and make sure that he has a regular workload heading into the playoffs when it's going to be revved up even more. That's true. I think I I don't know. I'm kind of more of the sense, I get what you're saying, and it's probably, if you could, I'll put it this way, if you could guarantee you come out healthy, then I agree, then it would be beneficial. Give Debo Samuel as many touches as he wants. However, I also kind of view Debo Samuel as the kind of player, roll out of bed any given day, and he's ready to play. Like That's just kind of the nature of Debo Samuel. Now, in a vacuum, it probably is better to, to have those reps on a consistent basis and not feel like you're going in kind of blind, um, to a postseason game. However, I, I I think maybe that factor, at least in my opinion, is a little minimized for a guy like Debo Samuel because that's just who he is. And maybe my 
my McCaffrey Debo Samuel comparison wasn't fair because while, uh, you know, maybe managing their snaps, it's similar in that share. They do have different needs in the fact that Debo Samuel, to your point, perhaps needs a few touches, at least a few touches to kind of get that feeling back. Christian McCaffrey does not need to play in this game and he'll be totally fine. I mean, he has been used so much throughout the last month, maybe last six weeks. I mean, really, since he's been a 49er, part of this entire win streak, the last two plus months, 10 weeks almost, uh, he has been a huge part of every one of those games. One week off for him isn't going to have an impact in terms of, you know, his ability to to jump right back in come the postseason. It's not going to leave him rusty. Meanwhile, if maybe you only give Debo Samuel a couple, a couple of touches this week, maybe he does feel a little bit of rust as he heads into the postseason. I do think that factor is a little bit decreased with Debo because of just in general who he is. But I do get your point. And, and those two players, McCaffrey and Debo, are kind of coming from different extremes. And I think maybe for both of those reasons, it is best to, to keep an eye on their touches, but for kind of opposite reasons. Yeah, I, I got you. And I, I also trust that Shanahan is is going to do right by his players in this sense and figure out what they want, figure out what he wants, and probably find some middle ground for, for everyone. But, you know, I, I just I, I do think that Debo is a guy that like he he's a very physical player and it just it seems like he's a guy that kind of needs to feel the game out a, a bit, so to speak. It will be interesting to see how the 49ers choose to manage this game or load manage this game because, you know, it's, it's not really like basketball where, you know, if, if you take a, some players out, but then the other team starts to come back, you can sort of reinsert them and, yeah. you know, maybe you lose a step, maybe you don't. It's like when you pull the plug on, on, on an NFL starter, like they're done. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't ask a player that has, you know, been, beaten and bruised over the first three quarters of a game to come out and then be like, Oh, Hey, by the way, it's a two minute draw. I need you to get back in there. That that's something that I feel like your body quickly cools down from and isn't necessarily able to, to, to flip that switch back on. Um, so I, I would imagine that Kyle Shanahan is going to do his best and along with the rest of the team to end this game in the first half and then be able to cruise. The question becomes Mark though, if it is a close game at half, do you expect the 49ers to go balls to the wall to try and get this win? I don't know if they will empty the playbook to do it, but I do think that Kyle Shanahan will keep his starters in the game if it means getting a win this week. I tend to agree with you, and uh, Shanahan might say he disagrees with what I'm about to say, but I think ultimately he does. It depends what the scoreboard is saying at Levi Stadium based on what's happening in Philadelphia. And, and Shanahan was actually asked that earlier this week. And uh, I'll just I'll just play his answer for you. No, I don't really like people getting on that, doing that. And I might look at the scoreboard here and there for replay and fall into the score, but we'll see. So Kyle Shanahan was asked, are you going to be scoreboard watching the Philadelphia game? Because you guys are kicking off at the same exact time. And he's like, no, I don't do that. Maybe I accidentally see it if I'm looking at our scoreboard for a stat or for a time or for down in distance or whatever. And I see, Oh, the Eagles are losing. And then I'll know he's looking at it. He has people in his ear telling him, Oh, the Eagles are down. I think regardless of the Eagles score, the Niners are are going out trying to win this game, despite the fact that they, they might know if they need to win or they will know if they need to win or not to get the two seed because the Vikings play earlier. 
Uh, I do think they will be going for the win. I'm not so sure I would describe it as balls to the wall necessarily. Unless Minnesota wins, then they're going to be trying hard for the two seed at least. Um, but I do think regardless of what happens with the other two games, they will be trying to win this game. It's just a question of how hard. I don't think they're going to be trying so hard that they're going to give McCaffrey 25 touches once again. No, but I also think that the Eagles-Giants score is going to be on just about every single screen at Levi's Stadium outside of the north and south mega, you know, like jumbotrons. That yeah. and, and even then, it might be at the ticker on the bottom. Like, that score <laughs> is going to be uh, permeating throughout every single section. And you might even be able to just tell by the reaction in the crowd what's going on in Philadelphia. Because if you're hearing some groans, well... Uh, maybe Philly's up by a couple of scores. If you're hearing a lot of cheers, well, then maybe maybe Daniel Jones is making some late season magic or whoever else, you know, Brian Dable chooses to not start in that <laughs> football game. Uh, for those listening, I just put air quotes behind that because I do believe he's going to try and at maybe at the beginning, at least try and win the game. We'll see. Um, but Mark, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Kyle Shanahan is absolutely and, and honestly should be scoreboard watching because yes. that dictates how you use your players. Yes, so let's say the Vikings lose. Somehow Nathan Peterman of the of the Bears upsets Kirk Cousins and the mighty Vikings. The Peterman. I know I, I know I know I'm not high on the Vikings, but that would be the upset of the season. Nathan Peterman and the Bears beating the Vikings. Say that happens. The Niners are already guaranteed at worst the 2 seed. And then the Eagles are up by 28 points in the first half. And Brian Dable has pulled all of the Giants starters. You're telling me Kyle Shanahan is not keeping an eye on that and taking out every one of his important players? Come on. Come on. Shanahan is, is straight up lying to you. It's all right. Head coaches do that. He's lying to you. He's keeping an eye on it. It will dictate how he goes about this game. Both the Vikings game and the Eagles game will dictate that. That's true. I'm with you, Mark. Uh, I, I just have one actually last question i meant to get to it at the beginning when we were talking about you know the the demar hamlin situation the bills the Bengals getting canceled and then you know creating a new scenario for those two teams well mark i don't know if you've been paying attention to our fantasy football league but you know i've been in kind of a scenario where i've been up and winning and it doesn't look like that game is going to get played so ipso facto am i the fantasy football champion or do i have to break something off to my runner-up no i think you're officially the champion it's unfortunate for the uh <laughs> it's unfortunate for the runner-up because that game didn't get played and and what they had joe burrow and jamar chase and i know it still looked like you were going to win that game anyway but uh i think you're the champ it's an unfortunate bounce of the ball but it's just the way it, it uh it happens sometimes i i don't feel as bad because to take people behind the scenes i did actually extend an olive branch to the now runner-up before the week started and i asked him if he wanted to split the pot oh boo get out of here and with he that. said no Ugh. he refused so now whereas i would like to be a good guy and at least you know the That's probability disgusting. Of him you coming should be disqualified was, already what what I was I was I was trying to make sure your boy was going to walk away with some rent money this this you week. You got to go. You guys got to go for the win. Come on, all or nothing. Well, I did go for the win apparently, and uh, <laughs> it sounds like he had a chance to take some of the coin, but uh, threw it on the field. No, it okay. First things first. 
DeMar Hamlin is the most important point of this in, in yes. this entire story, in this entire situation, or just having some fun because I don't know. That's what dumb jocks guys do. So, <laughs> um, one thing quickly before we get to game picks, which is uh, how I know we always wrap up our episodes here on Fridays. There is one piece of sound from this week that I, I thought was so good that I needed to make sure we play. And maybe we yes. should actually actually talk for a second about the Cardinals and how they match up with the 49ers. Um, maybe not the best game for sacks for the Niners defense, despite the fact that it will be David Blau starting at quarterback for the Cardinals. Because regardless of who is playing quarterback, Cliff Kingsbury tries to get the ball out as quickly as he possibly can. And uh, Nick Bosa was on the uh, Damon and Ratto show on 95.7 of the game earlier this week. And uh, he was talking about how frustrating it is to play against Kingsbury and the Cardinals. And I don't get too excited with the Cardinals because Kingsbury doesn't like to let our D-line have very much fun. So they're going to be ripping that ball out first read for most of the day. We just got to stop the run, hopefully get a little lead and then and then go from there. And then and then go from there. The end there kind of got clipped yeah. off. But uh, I can just imagine Nick Bosa on the sideline after a three and out where the defense does their job. They get a stop, but he hasn't come close to getting a sack, and he's just frustrated and exasperated on the sideline because he hasn't come close to David Blau. Well, if it makes him feel any better, if he doesn't get a sack, I'll buy a bouncy house for the sideline that he can go jump around in because <laughs> that is how much of a kid it sounds like Nick Bosa is and that he would enjoy – you know, flopping around <laughs> after not being able to get to David Blaw in the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I, they don't I, let us have very much fun. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, so you had a, so you had a six year old's birthday party and didn't get a piece of cake first. Like, what is it? Uh, I don't uh, know. All right. Uh, yeah, he, he really is. He really is. Um, all right, Mark, what, what's your, what's your game pick this weekend? Uh, yeah, quickly. So the line Niners minus 14, the over under set at 40 points. I'm thinking the Niners cover and the under hits 27 to 10. The Niners come out on top. And I guess while I'm at it, I will say it's a, a two seed for the 49ers. I'd say the Vikings, Niners and Eagles all win. Sounds good. I'm with you there. I do think all the teams that have to take care of business to confirm their seating do, including your San Francisco 49ers. Um, I'll, I do think they continue the 30 point streak. So hmm. give me 34 to hmm, let's say 13, 34, wow. 13 Niners. Absolutely lamb based cliff Kingsbury in his final game as an NFL head coach. And <laughs> that's my other prediction. Cliff Kingsbury's fired after the game and the 49ers uh, hit the over. They, they they cover the 14 points and they beat the Cardinals handedly. All right. Sounds good. Niners win. They uh, win 10 in a row, 13 and four. They're the two seed. We we both think she'll be a lot of fun, Evan. Looking forward to the next episode. Uh, we got to wait until after the Sunday night game. I know, but looking forward to it. Yeah. Episode time dropping TBD due to the <laughs> NFL. Blame them. Uh, this has been the 415ers podcast. However, please download, rate, and subscribe. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. Also with 95.7 The Game. For Mark Grandy, my name is Evan Giddings. We'll talk to you this weekend after the 49ers have cemented their hopeful second or more playoff seating uh, TBD. But we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. 